popping like steak cream. Break the ice with my nice things. Head to toe my nice things. Hold the door for her nice She likes me and my Nikes. High seat, got a loose. Let me tell you, we got the juice. I'm a great, so she calls me Zeus. She likes green, we in the produce. I light it up in the sea. Fire, run it up like I'm with you. And I feel Welcome back to another episode, live episode of the Guide Live B2B Jam Session. Hope you're well. This happy Friday eve afternoon for some of you all, evening for others. If you're tuning in from Oakland, California, show some love in the comments. Shout out to Oakland. Jonathan Martinez, what's up? What's up, man? It's good to have you on live with us, man. Today we have a really amazing guest, man, that I believe you're going to be super excited to talk with. One, it's my phenomenal friend, Prem Kumar, who's also joining us again. He is the CEO of Humanly.io, who is one of our leading partners at Guy. So shout out to Humanly. 
Much love to them. They are dominating the HR space as usual. But today we also have a special guest with us who we're really, really excited to actually dive deep on on a really powerful discussion. And she is actually the author of a recent book that just came out called Owning Your Own Your Greatness, Overcome Imposter Syndrome, Beat Self-Doubt, and Succeed in Live. And we're going to be talking about a variety of things on how to manage imposter syndrome in the workplace, especially if you're a person of color, the psychology of remote work, creating equitable organizations, and three skills that we believe are really essential for what we consider is inclusive leadership. Lisa Orb Austin, she is a doctor, she is a leader, and she's a phenomenal human being from everything I've gathered from watching her YouTube videos and hearing her talk. And she's actually the partner as well as co-founder, and I believe the CEO with her husband, of Dynamic Transition Psychological Consulting, which is a licensed psychological firm that's providing career and executive coaching services to emerging mid-career and C-suite professionals. C-suite professionals, y'all. So if you're a CEO, a senior manager, and entrepreneurs who want to advance in their careers, management, and gain the leadership skills necessary to survive. And I'm super excited to talk with her. Prem and I know her personally because we've had conversations with her in the past, and we think she's going to give us a masterclass and thoughts on how do you really develop those leadership skills to thrive in a remote era. With that said, Prem, Dr. Lisa, what's up? Hi, how are you? Hey, thanks for having us. (laughs) How are you all holding up today? Doing good, it's been a busy day, but it's been good. Yeah, Yeah. Friday. Friday, And I'm so excited it's Friday because I feel as if Friday is the best Time to have this type of conversation that we're having. Relax, everyone's casual. It's not a big of a deal, right? And more importantly, we're going into the weekend right after. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, Dr. Lisa, I introduced you, but I would love for you to share a little bit more about your background. How long you've been doing the work that you do? Sure. So I've been doing it for about 15 years in private practice. Um, I think initially when my husband and I started the practice, it was you know, kind of much more of a traditional um, private practice where we did do career and organizational work, but it was much more focused on other things like relationships and anxiety. And then the um, 2008 crash hit, like right after we opened our business and um, all those psychotherapy clients like fell away. And what stayed was the career and organizational clients um, who wanted to think about transition, wanted to think about their leadership, wanted to think about how to kind of take their career to the next step. And that's how the real kind of foundation of our our practice was birthed um, was through the crisis um, and sort of what then sort of manifested after that. So talk to me a little bit about, so you've gone through that crisis and you're currently working with clients through a current crisis. Yep. So share a little bit about what have been some of the things you've been seeing with the clients that you're working with in terms of how they're adapting to remote work? Well, I mean, I think that um, it, you know, it happened to us, you know, very, very suddenly. It wasn't like, you know, it's, it's different to choose remote work and then decide this is what you want to do as a lifestyle versus like this is what everyone has to do. Um, so I think a, a lot of people were in shock for in the in the very beginning and sort of feeling like, oh, this is not going to last long. I just got to figure some temporary solution because a lot of my clients have children and other yeah. things and it's really hard to put together. And then I think, you know, it started to seep in that this was going to be a lot longer and then more structural things had to come into place to kind of keep this consistently, you know, doable. Like it's really difficult. This is not just a traditional work from home experience. You're also managing all kinds of other things that you wouldn't typically manage in a remote work situation, kids, parents, all kinds of other sometimes illnesses that come up in the middle of it. 
so it's quite of a, a tricky dynamic situation. And I think, you know, it's been really, it's been a very intense kind of period for many people. So. Yeah, Prem, you're, I mean, you're a father, Prem, and, you know, we're both also running a, a company, startups. You know, Prem, share a little bit about kind of how you've been balancing remote work, brother. Yeah, I know it's tough. My house is loud, so I actually had to drive over to uh, my previous company's office here, so I got a quiet spot for the podcast. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely been a been a shift. Um, you know, I think as Lisa mentioned, um, so our company was remote from the beginning, so it wasn't as drastic of a, of a shift. Um, but it's really, I, I feel in some cases, it's kind of created some disparities where some roles, some people in certain areas um, have an easier time shifting to remote work; others don't. Um, um, even just from like a communication style standpoint, like I, I, I think people that are better at written communication, oftentimes in the workplace in person can be drowned out if they're not as good at verbal communication. But now that's flipped around. So it's, it's really interesting to see some of the, the changes to how we communicate. But yeah, I know it's been it's been inter interesting um, doing a lot of calls from my uh, car, like parked in my garage. to get. To <laughs> And, and, and that's, and that, you know, that's the that's the next normal, right? <laughs> that's the now. And, you know, recently Google actually shared that they are not, for example, going back until next year, 2021, which essentially means they're not going back at all into the office until the foreseeable future. So it seems that we're going to be in this current climate for quite some time. You know, Dr. Lisa, I want you to share a little bit more about your book that you recently just came out with on your greatness you know, what inspired you to write it now? And it really focuses around imposter syndrome, self-doubt, and how to succeed in life, which I feel as if you're launching it, it's coming out at a perfect time, one, yeah. <laughs> what's going on. But what inspired it? And, you know, why do you, you know, why do you think that the world needs it now? Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it's interesting to, to ask that question because when people ask me what, what inspired it, it, it's sort of, it's sort of tricky because it wasn't really inspired in that way. Wow. Um, it, it actually, my publisher reached out to me because I had been writing in the area um, and they were like, we want to do this book on imposter syndrome. We think you'd be the great, great author for this book. Um, and so it was through that, that it got birthed. It's like sort of our previous writings are things that we were out saying things in the world. And they sort of felt like we would be great authors for this book on imposter syndrome. And it, it felt very synergistic for us because this is a population we've been very much interested in for a really long time. And, and our practice had been largely focused on people who struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, and so the idea for us around writing the book was like, we don't want to write a book about like, there's been a not a ton, but several books written about sort of like the theory and the ideas behind it. We wanted some of that, but we wanted it to be a workbook. We wanted it to be something where you could actually um, build skills, get tools, really think about this concretely, come in at point A and leave at point, you know, maybe like D or E, you know, like, so the idea was to kind of take you through a bunch of steps and to kind of really help you to do the things that both are said in the research literature around what moves the needle. And then also what has been really successful in our practice in helping people to move the needle on imposter syndrome. I love that. So, you know, so imposter syndrome is something that everyone I've had mentees that I've worked with and coached, even people in our in our guide community have reached out to me and said, like, imposter syndrome is something I struggle with every day. Even Prem and I, as you know, as <laughs> we probably often have our own imposter syndrome. We're like, dude, the business sucks. We think we're failing. <laughs> like, help, bro. You know, and like, and me and him would laugh about it if we're, if we're texting. But, you know, what would be some of your, you know, two to three practical things that you think people need to start honing in on, especially in times like this, where it's in a remote setting, you're not visible to your boss or your manager. How do you manage imposter syndrome in this climate? 
Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of us have it. I think the data says around 70% of people have experienced imposter syndrome. And I just saw a new study said at, at 82% of people experience it. So even saying it's even higher than that, and yeah. maybe the increase is sort of is sort of like what's, what's happening in modern society. But um, I think like, and if you see my TED talk, I've also had it um, and pretty badly. Um, and so it, it is, it is, I think, increasingly problematic in this COVID time. I was in an article on today on today.com about this around sort of like how is how is COVID impacting imposter syndrome? And I think a lot of what's going on is, you know, between like sort of the impact economically potentially of COVID and people sort of very, being very concerned about the stability of their workplaces, you know, that this is a time of heightened expectation and heightened feelings of need of security. So it then elevates this idea of, you know, oh my God, what if they find out I really can't do this? Or what if I can't do this? Um, what mm -hmm. can happen potentially to destabilize my life, my family? So it gets really heightened in these moments. You know, and there's there's a, there's a lot of, some places are doing well, like unlike the 2008, you know, recession where it sort of like blanketly hit everyone pretty, pretty straight, everyone sort of got hit. This one feels very uneven and it's hitting some industries harder. Some industries are doing really well. Some of them are kind of trying to figure out what's happening. Um, it's very uneven. So I think that unevenness is also kind of hard because people are not sure, you know, whether they have a job six months from a year from now, two years. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I think that makes the the, the imposter syndrome elevated. Yeah, no, um, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. I want to show love to Jonathan Martinez, who says, I need this book now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read it now. So shout out to Jonathan for that. Shout out to Sade, who's saying, woo-woo. Shout out to Sade. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sade. Appreciate you, Mrs. Jones. You know, Prem, I want to ask you, brother, because, you know, you are leading a, a company. You know, how do you feel, approach kind of managing imposter syndrome within your, 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 your teams and making sure that everyone feels a sense of meaning in the work that they do? Yeah, I mean, and I don't think we've we've solved for it, but there's a, a lot of things we're we're doing that I think um, help. Um, I, I've definitely struggled with it myself, and yeah. as Lisa mentioned too, I mean, it it is kind of an uneven time. So we have um, empathy is really important. So we, mm -hmm. if things are working really well for us because we're in a space that could benefit in some ways from remote work, at the same time when we're when we're selling, when we're talking to customers, when we're talking to employees, I think being empathetic because it, it hits everyone different. Um, I, you know, I, I feel generally, you know, not necessarily create, creating open space for people to, to discuss, um, not just trying to hit them with solutions, but more so with, with platforms and then having a culture that, um, where it's okay to fail, where, you know, you get better because of, of learning from failure. Um, so I, I think that's really important. Um, mm. I know when I felt like an imposter and when I've had imposter syndrome, if I felt that I was part of a safe, inclusive environment um, where, you know, I was allowed to fail, it, it took the edge off. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what, what we try and do. You know, what do you recommend? Because you work with a lot of HR leaders as well. What do you recommend they do as they bring in talent, you know, using a platform such as Humanly? How do they ensure like from the first day of onboarding, to the first nine, you know, to the first ninety days that they're in the, um, the organization, that they are empowering their people to succeed. Prem, what are your thoughts? And then I'll ask Lisa. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and I know Lisa, both both of you actually are are more qualified than me to talk about a lot of this. But but I do think, um, you know, that not just the um, 
having a, a funnel of candidates and new employees that are diverse, but inclusivity is huge. So once you right. land in the job, um, are, are you provided the resources, the network, the platform to really thrive? Um, so I think thinking, and that starts with, you know, onboarding a lot of employees. Um, there's a study saying employees decide in their first six months if they're going to stay long-term, whether mm. or not they, so, so they might check out from a cognitive standpoint. So even if they're still sitting in their seat, um, cognitive attrition is something that could, uh, cause them to be less productive. So I think just getting getting the first uh, six months right, um, providing platforms. And then I think also, as I go back to not just throwing solutions out, but platforms, I oftentimes find leaders will, um, you know, perhaps create like an ERG for a ter- a certain group, but they they aren't actually from that group. I know we've talked a little bit about that. So I think allowing employees themselves to organically um, create these um, platforms is also is also very important. Yep. Lisa, I would love to get your thoughts on this because you wrote a book on this <laughs> for <laughs> and leaders, and also for people to to really be able to kind of take take a control of it for themselves. What do you think? In terms of the imposter syndrome, in terms of like making the first 90 days, like. Yeah, yeah. in terms uh, of making the first 90 days successful for if you're an HR leader or your manager that has to manage someone that's struggling with this within their first 90 days of a new role, especially yeah. in a remote work setting. Well, I love what Prem is saying because I, I fully believe in that because I, I really do think it's really important around sort of the onboarding process and making sure there's a lot of transparency and people are included and they get to know people within the organization. And there's really like space and time to really do all of those meet and greets and develop relationships and kind of really understand how the organization works, not just their particular department or, or line of business, but how they work intricately and you know interdisciplinary with each other. Like I really enjoy people having a holistic understanding of the of the workplace that they belong to and not their specific just line of business. I think it, it helps also people to really understand their place in, in, in the organization. So I do think that's really important. I really do feel like, you know, like Prem was saying, like um, cultures where there's openness and there's ability to understand people grow through failure. I'm, I'm a big believer in like really allowing for failure because you allow people to take risks and really grow truly rather than mm-hmm. grow in these perfectionistic ways, which, you know, for people with imposter syndrome, perfectionism is such a, an issue. And so when you teach them kind of to make no mistakes and be perfect all the time, they don't, they don't know how to get beyond it. Um, and I think, you know, really, really having really great supervision, really great, have great management, really thoughtful, like prepared management can be really helpful in helping people grow and think about what their visions are and helping them to kind of have their own kind of experience in the organization, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really love what Prem is saying, like Prem is saying all the things that it makes me so happy here, frankly, you know, like I don't, I don't hear them always happen, but so it it's exciting awesome. to hear. Because I've watched Lisa's uh, podcast and stuff in the past. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why personally I always tell my exact friend, I know my friend, Prem, if you have any organizational issues with how you're designing your organization, talk to my buddy Prem or even talk to me because we're trying to do what we can best and we learn from each other. You know, and I think it's so powerful what we're talking about now, given the current situation where there's so many people, as you mentioned, Lisa, with families who are trying to man- who are trying to manage, okay, how do I take care of my family while also work remotely and then making sure that I'm, re- you know, delivering outcomes for our team, our organization. Um, for you, when you when, when you guys think about the future of work and you know how organizations will have to continue at this pace, right, of adapting and changing and ensuring that their cultures sustain, you know, what can organizational leaders do to equal the playing field? So one, everyone feels fulfilled when they come to work, 
But also, more importantly, no one has to feel as if, oh, I'm struggling to be visible, right? Like, I have to force it, right? Or I don't feel seen. Lisa, what do you think about this? Gosh, I think a lot about it. But I'll try to stay on, like, one track of it, um, which is that um, what I think is, you know, what I get excited about when I think about the future of work um, and I think about sort of the possibilities of, you know, kind of remote work and all this other stuff is I'm, I'm very hopeful of, uh, about organizations who are, are both elevating people not only through management roles but also through IC roles mm-hmm. where they can where you don't have to you don't have to grow in re- these traditional ways like there are multiple ways in an organization to grow and to contribute and I think it really allows people to contribute in the ways that they uniquely can some some people are great managers and they contribute in that way some people are great at their technical skill and contribute in that way like really being able to see success and growth in varied lenses that have a lot of breadth um, rather than these very narrow verticals around sort of what is true success in my organization. There's a variety of ways to be successful in an organization. You you allow for much more diversity of the type of talent you bring in, the kind of people you bring in. You allow for yourself to have more more opportunity. So like I think sort of like that's the stuff that makes me really excited about multiple ways to elevate yourself in an organization that don't have to go that traditional management route. Um, some people are not. That's not the way they become visible. It's not the way they are excellent. Um, but they often feel like they must in order to elevate. And they're like that's the stuff that I find really exciting is like just new and innovative ways to think about like work, to think about ele- elevation and advancement, to think about management. Like that's the stuff that makes me really excited. And even lifelong learning, you know, one of the yeah. things I often tell our team at, at Guy is that if we're not learning, we're not growing. Yeah. And, one, and, and that's like the biggest indicator to know if your, your, your organization is successful. Are the people, whether it be at the third layer, the bottom layer, or even at the top layer, are they learning? Are they growing strategically, you know, in terms of execution, all of that? Yes. Do you have any thoughts on this, my brother? Yeah, one of the things that kind of reminded me of um, when I was um, hearing um, Dr. Lisa speak about it is so in Microsoft when I when I was there, we kind of at the beginning, um, it's the the strongest engineer, the highest performing engineer, became the manager of the engineers, and mm-hmm. it was kind of the the to get to those those pay levels and um, you know get to the the kind of from a compensation standpoint, you kind of had to be a manager, so it was looked at as the the path to take. Um, so that changed, and it was re- really interesting to see where they re- then began to realize that it's a a different skill set. It's not not good or bad, but it's a different type of skill set. It takes a kind of different type of person. So then they changed it so that the kind of highest um, level engineer was compensated at the same as, as you know, a manager career path. So I think, I think you know, not just from an inclusivity standpoint, but also from a comp standpoint, take mm. out all those things that force people down those narrow paths. And then the, the other thing I was thinking about too is if you look at people more, their contribution more holistically, like Lisa was mentioning, then it also from a hiring and turnover standpoint helps you grow your culture. Because if you lose someone now, now you no, don't just you're not just losing the the title so like a customer success manager three but you might actually be losing your best communicator maybe the person who's most transparent so if you know what you have then you know what you're losing and then you know what you need to go out and get as you hire your next set of talent and kind of build that roadmap yeah that's powerful that's powerful i love that prem <laughs> <laughs> that's powerful you you both need to write a book together <laughs> I can see it. I would really get my <laughs> imposter syndrome to set up. <laughs> you know, I would love to get your thoughts, you know, after what Prem just shared in terms of you have to think about it from a compensation structure as well. You know, yes. what do you think now and moving forward leaders need to be mindful of in terms of 
three skills for inclusive leadership, right? Especially when you're working in a time where you can't see your people. Yeah. Um, that feels like a, I can go down a million pathways again with that question. But I think what I think some of the things that I think that make you like the best inclusive leader are like flexibility, really being able to kind of be adaptable and flexible in a variety of different situations and environments with different types of direct reports. Um, I think also the ability to receive and really and really take in feedback, um, all kinds of feedback, even when you're really wrong and you've really made a big mistake, like to really be able to hear that, do you know, kind of accept it, be publicly kind of owning that. I think that's really helpful. And I think, you know, doing your own work, so just expecting that, you know, you're not going to be an inclusive leader just by showing up and wanting to be an inclusive leader. You're going to have to do your own like knowledge building work, like proactive, like analysis work around who you are and where you are at, that you have to commit to that lifelong work that, you know, some people always ask me about like, when do you become an anti-racist organization? You never become an anti-racist organization. Mm -hmm. It's something you're working on for your entire like life of your organization that, and you have to commit to that like drive that you will do this forever, that work forever. And it doesn't have, it shouldn't scare you should just be a part of growth and development, you know. Mm, mm. I love that. I love that. Prem? And yeah, before, I know. Before I, we, we, you have you add, Prem, shout out to Mr. Tim Olaria who's saying, that's rich. So he's <laughs> loving what y'all are saying. As well as Mr. Martinez who's saying, this is an amazing conversa conversation. I want to show love to Raj who has a question and a powerful statement um, on the show. He says, hey, Tim, I have a couple of questions which I'm finding answers for. I hope our speakers can help with those and give a new perspective. Possibly, how one should address the question of leaving prior workplace with or without serving a notice period and if it was due to toxic environment? Lisa, I'll have you. <laughs> Did you see my TED talk? Is that why he's asking me that question? <laughs> um, because if you haven't seen my TED talk, I, I did leave my job with no notice. Um, and, and in a pretty like dramatic way, um, because it was a toxic work environment. My boss was pretty toxic. Um, and so, you know, it's a really good question. And I'll tell you that it really depends on the situation. And that's like, it feels like a cop-out answer, but it is, it is sort of important. It is contextual. And so, you know, when I went on that first interview to get that next job, someone asked me, so what happened at your last job? And it was tricky because it was part of the same institution. I was interviewing, it wasn't, it was a large um, university. It was another university within that system. So it was pretty easy to fig to go and to do your homework to figure out what had happened. So I was like, look, I, I, you know, I can kind of create some kind of like really glossy answer, or I could be honest here because it's it's probably going to be pretty evidence pretty quickly. And I and I was honest, and I was I took a risk in being honest about what had happened because you do take a risk because one of the things that's problematic oftentimes in interviewing is like when you hear somebody talk negatively about their previous boss because you think, oh, if they talk negatively about them, I'm next, and so. You know, but in some cases, like that's what happened. And so it's really hard. So I, I really try to talk about sort of what had happened and then what I was learning from it and what, how I was growing and tried to talk about it in a, in a positive way for me. But I kind of knew that she was going to find out because actually to, to even give you further detail, her best friend was a, was a member of that department. So I knew she was going to know. So yeah. it, it, I just had to like be honest because it was going to be dangerous for me. But I think it's important to kind of really, if you're going to, if you're going to share, you can share sort of about sort of the bigger picture, what you're learning, how you're growing, what's, what's next for you. You focus on sort of that, the forward movement as opposed to the past, you know, so, you know, I, I would encourage you to probably do that. Like I, you know, I was in a very unique circumstance. And so, it forced me to have to tell the exact truth because they were going to find it out anyway. But it, it's really about how you frame frame it, and you know, 
and spinning it towards your, your what you're learning and what's positive about it moving forward. I love that. I love that, Lisa. By the way, if you're just joining us, we're talking to the amazing Prem Kumar and Lisa about Lisa Orb Austin about how do you think about the psychology of remote work in addition to managing your imposter syndrome in a remote work setting? And Prem, I want to ask you, do you have anything to add to what Lisa just shared in terms of how does one, <laughs> how do you leave when you're in a toxic environment? Because we've all been there. I've had some really horrible losses in my past. And one of the biggest things I've done is if you can't change your environment, leave your environment. That's what I have to tell people. So Prem, what would be your thoughts, brother? Yeah, so definitely, um, think it's it sometimes has to come up and it's appropriate to bring it up as long as you're kind of focusing like Lisa mentioned on on the future and not not sounding like you're dwelling on it um on the flip side of it i think there's also opportunities to ensure you're not entering a new toxic environment by asking questions setting expectations um mm -hmm. i've definitely had some bad situations I'll, I'll name one one good one um my previous company tiny pulse uh, when we um when i had the interview i had told the ceo that you know my goal next is to start my own company you know i'll probably do it in the next two to three years and i think that expectation setting and maybe asking questions like that in the interview and seeing how people react can help you determine if the employer is truly invested in, in your success going forward and not just what you can give them but what what you're going to get in return mm, mm, mm. it's funny one of the things i often recommend people to do is that when you go into your next job don't talk about your last job. And often people always make this mistake. They're like, oh, in my last role, I did all of this. But no one goes into another role to talk about, to do exactly the same thing they did in their last role. They do it sure. to grow, as Lisa mentioned. And but it's, Lisa a little, it's a little tricky because if you're in a behavioral interview, you have to do that, right? Yeah, so they yeah. tell, you, tell me a time when you, and you kind of have to do it. But I think sort of like reminiscing is probably, right. it's like kind of like on, on a date, you're talking about your ex, you know? Like yeah. That's why I want to like, why do we start interviews like that? Why do most organizations think that's a, that's, that's an okay way to start interviews? But that's because everyone like copies everyone's template for how to, how to do things. Listen, do you recommend there's anything HR leaders or managers should do to try to set like intention in the right way when it comes to interviewing people who may struggle with imposter syndrome and they want to be able to share about, oh, this is what I want to do in my new role. This is what I want to learn. Is there any way for them to kind of create that safe, inclusive space? I mean, I think it's a great question. I think, you know, you really have to be, you know, like Prem was saying, you really have to be open to this growth mindset perspective and really be open to hearing about people's failures, but, and, and really, and open to hearing what they're learning from them, you know, and I think really kind of engaging in an interview where you, you see the full breadth of the person and, you know, clearly professionally, the full breadth of that person professionally. And you, you think about sort of what they can contribute more than just that line of business, but what other assets they are going to contribute to your organization that may be beneficial that you have a blind spot to because you're so caught up with the technical skills. Mm. Um, you know, I really think it's like not looking for the perfect person, right? Not looking for the perfect, you know, looking for somebody who feels holistically right for that organization and, and has, you know, and feels like a good Fit. And, and to watch and be careful of your blind spots around fit being like, oh, they look just like me or they are just like me or they, you know, that kind of fit as opposed to, like, yeah, we need somebody who's a good communicator who's really, you know, kind of very open around X or Y or Z, you know, but having actually, like you were saying earlier, not engaging in all this templated interviewing, but really thinking about what you need holistically and then developing the interview questions around those concepts. You know? mm -hmm. Brother, I feel like you, you want to say something here, brother. Uh, no, no, I, I agree with what was just said. I, I think generally I tend to, you know, 
higher based on strengths versus lack of weakness. So, um, you know, if you're seeking out those strengths, you might might find that, hey, maybe this person's really good at this or really good at that. Um, but a lot of interviews are done based on lack of weak, just finding, you know, a lack of weakness. And then you might get someone that maybe isn't going to, um, you know, be, be a great fit for your organization. Yeah, no, that's powerful. That's powerful. Want to show love to one of our comments. Awesome. Elvin is like, awesome. Talking about your ex. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a tuck in cheek comment. It's always awkward talking about your ex, right? In front of who, who would probably be your new boo. <laughs> in terms of the company, right? So shout out to Raj who's saying, thank you very much for your advice, y'all. Appreciate it. So much love to Lisa and Fran. I think you just saved somebody in their role today. Tim is saying flexibility, ability to take feedback, doing your own work, a sustained process is all really crucial, alluding to what you all were sharing earlier. And Daniela is giving you all hand claps. <laughs> feeling this and she is tuned and out. And, you know, Lisa Prem, thank you so much for being on the show today. I would love, Lisa, what is your more powerful takeaway with anyone out there right now within our guide community that is struggling or tuning into this is struggling with imposter syndrome? What do you kind of encourage them to do to, to really start taking control of their careers? So I'll steal something from my husband. It's like his infamous quote, which is like, if you work as hard for yourself as you do for others, you're going to be unstoppable. So that mm -hmm. is like, like our mantra is like, you know, work for, work for yourself in the way that you would work for somebody else. And it's like, you're just going to bring so much to the world, you know? Yeah. You know, Pram? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. <laughs> and I always say too, you know, um, you know, as you kind of think about your current job and your next one, the best way to get that next opportunity is just do a really good job with your current one, um, even if it in includes overcoming um, things like imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Lisa, you know, where can people find out more about your new book? Do you have a website? Sure. Amazon. Yeah, books on, you know, all the major booksellers that comes in all formats. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on Instagram at Dr. Orbe Austin. So those are the places where I'm probably most easily found. And we have shared her LinkedIn profile in the comments so you all can check it out. In addition to that, her book title is out now. It's on Amazon. She shares a lot of great content about it on LinkedIn. Lisa's a rock star on LinkedIn, over 200,000 followers, super, super active. So make sure you check her out. And as always, Prem is on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to learn more about Humanly and learn more about the solution that they're providing to help you improve your candidate experience from top of the funnel to engagement, definitely check them out on humanly.io. Prem, Lisa, it was truly an honor having you all on. I, you know, Prem and I do these every month, but Lisa, <laughs> we can have you on back for another. Oh, episode. I would love to. You guys are amazing. This was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. So I'm going to cap you all off to a really nice slow jam by <laughs> the Chicago kid, Chicago kid called Getaway. All right, y'all. Preach. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Bye, y'all. <laughs> You can be flying on this one for those.
This is a DeVito, a DeVito jam called Fall. I'm 
body cause damage. Hey, Joanna, Jo, Jo, Joanna. How you do me like Joanna? Jo, Jo, Joanna. How you gonna do me like Joanna? Jo, Jo, Joanna. Hey, Joanna. Hey, Joanna. Jo, Jo, Joanna. Ay, ay, ay. How you gonna take me like Dobaho? Dobaho. Uh. How you gonna do me like Dobaho? Dobaho. Thank you. 
Thank you all so much for tuning in to this live episode of the Guy B2B Jam Session. Make sure you definitely connect with Prem Kumar, my lovely, lovely partner and co-founder in arms and the movement that we're building, Humanly IO and Guide. The movement is growing. Definitely check out their solution if you work within the HR tech landscape or if you are interested in really up-leveling your candidate experience and you're a small to medium business owner. In addition to that, please check out the work that Lisa Orb Austin is doing in terms of helping people pretty much break through their imposter syndrome. She recently launched her book, book please check it out it's called no once again it's called once again own your greatness overcome imposter syndrome beat self-doubt and succeed in life which is something that everyone wants to do with that said if you want to be on a future episode of the unleashing the future of work a guide live podcast please check out utfow.com 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 all right if you are interested in being on a future episode we're always looking for amazing guests to be on. Literally, we're always looking for guests. And especially if you're in Oakland town, let us know because we want to definitely put you on our platform so you can lead your platform and movement. In addition to that, guideapp.co, we are in beta. Literally just onboarded one of our amazing creators literally just two hours ago. If you want to get access, early access to our beta, check out guideapp.co. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend and tell your teammates at work as well. At guideapp.co is the movement. So definitely join us in our movement and check out guideapp.co. With that said, it was truly a pleasure playing some jams with you all. But as always, I will never leave you all cold. And I'm going to tune out to this lovely, lovely jam by the lovely Cleo Soul. But before I do that, I want to say I wish you all a great weekend. Enjoy yourself. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. Take care of your, your hustle, whatever you're doing, whatever you're building, whatever movement you're leading. But more importantly, take care of your mind. Take care of your mind and stay inspired. As always, y'all, peace, love, and abundance. All right, y'all.